Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time to talk sports on Saturday here on ESPN 700. For the next two hours, we will cover everything from the Utes, Cougars, RSL, and the Jazz to anything happening on the national stage. This is Sports Saturday. Here are your hosts, Trevor Allen and John LaFollette on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Good morning. Welcome on in. This is Sports Saturday here on ESPN 700. From now until noon, we will be keeping you up to date on everything going on in sports. I am Trevor Allen. Across from me is John LaFollette. And introducing our newest co-host, he's no longer producer. Well, he, today he's the producer. Well, yeah. yeah, for today, just because of, uh, of uh, other events going on. The St. Patrick's Day Parade. Yeah. Woo-hoo! Going on downtown. So if you're on your way down there, just keep it locked right here on ESPN 700. But we would like to officially welcome the third member of Sports Saturday, Dan Cutler. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, guys. I've been I've hosted the show more times than you have this year, Trevor. Um, <laughs> but it's official now. Talk to Bill. He gave he gave me the green light yesterday, so very excited about it. I'm not happy at the fact that you've hosted more this this year than I have, but it, it's true. It's true. But that will change after basketball season. Hmm. But anyway, speaking of uh, basketball, we'll get to that here in uh, just a few minutes. But first, Dan, there's a big soccer match going on in sandy tonight yeah huge match tonight rsl will be hosting the los angeles galaxy of los angeles and uh, <laughs> they will be coming in to rio tinto stadium to play against the claret and cobalt mm, la not off to a great start this year they're oh oh and two they have not won rsl has a draw and a loss um they have yet to score a goal but i've feel like today's the day that RSL finally puts one or two in the back of the net. So it should be a good one. 7.30, Rio Tinto Stadium. Pre-game coverage starts right here on ESPN 700 at 6.30 with Jeremy Horton and Gov. And then Bill and Jay Nolly will have the call. It's going to be a great one. I will be there. Lauren Mason will be there. The whole crew will be there. It's going to be great. I think RSL looking to get a result. Three points at home. Uh, once again, 6.30 pregame on ESPN 700. The Utah Jazz are at the Chicago Bulls in Game 3 of an Eastern Conference road trip. They've split the first two with Detroit and Cleveland. Uh, Chicago now without Dwayne Wade for the rest of the year. He's got a broken elbow. I don't know if there's a, a worse upper body injury that's not involving the head, but uh, Dwayne Wade out. So the Jazz... 43-26, the Chicago Bulls 32-37 and outside of the Eastern Conference playoff picture. We'll talk about this one a little bit later on, but should be smooth sailing for the Jazz. But we've heard that before as well. Well, and also, uh, by the way, who who has a really tough challenge on, on this uh, trip? Gordon Hayward. you got to go up. I mean, the Pistons don't have, I mean, Tobias Harris, I guess you could say. But then you got Le, you got Le, Le, LeBron James, Jimmy Butler, and Paul George on this trip. How difficult is that for Gordon Hayward as far as defense? You got to guard the best in the game, and then probably 
two others that are probably in the top 15 in the NBA period. So, Jazz have got a tough test, even though the Bulls aren't very good this year. Yeah, we'll talk about them later. Yeah, we will. Uh, coming up today, the madness continues. Day number three, round number two of the NCAA tournament. Round one is in the books, which is sad for me because that means there's not as much games today and tomorrow. But there's still a full slate of games going on. We'll go. I'll, I'll go go through the scores really quick for you. Coming up uh, here in about four minutes will be uh, Notre Dame taking on West Virginia. The Irish coming in as a five seed. The Mountaineers a four seed. That'll be in Buffalo on CBS at ten ten, and then at twelve forty will be number eight Wisconsin taking on number one Villanova. Uh, that will be also on CBS, and then here in downtown Salt Lake at three fifteen, number eight Northwestern taking on number one Gonzaga at Vivint Smart Home Arena. That'll be a three fifteen on CBS if you can't make it downtown. And then coming up at four ten on TNT, number eleven Xavier taking on number three Florida State mm. on TNT. That one that one should be a good one. Xavier coming off of the uh, upset of Maryland and uh, Florida State taking care of Florida Gulf Coast. That'll that'll be taking place in Orlando and then heading over to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Number four, Butler, will go to battle with number 12, Middle Tennessee, which Middle Tennessee beat, who, who's, who's that uh, five, five seed again? Minnesota. Minnesota, there you go. Oh, I, I, I even picked them to win, that's why. <laughs> number seven, St. Mary's in down at, uh, over, over at Vivint Smart Home Arena. We'll be going to battle with number two, Arizona. That'll be at 545. And then at 640, number five, Virginia. And number four, Florida in Orlando on TNT. And then at 740, number five, Iowa State. Number four, Purdue on TBS in Milwaukee at 740. So, guys, with that said, how are your brackets? My brackets are fine. I don't think most people care about how I'm doing. I had a perfect first day uh, as far as my actual picks went. Um, Yesterday, not so much, but... There were a couple of surprises, and I want to know what your surprises so far were. I was not surprised with Xavier beating Maryland. I was. I was not as surprised with Rhode Island beating Creighton. Um, No one was, really. Although that decimated Tom Hackett's bracket. He had Creighton (laughs) in the Final Four. That's ridiculous. Don't ask me why, but the one team that's really surprised me the most, to be honest, is USC. They were in the play-in game, which depending on who you ask, could be a really big help because they had momentum going into their first game. But they but, but they were also trailing and had to battle back from fif- 15 points down, I believe. Yeah, it was a 15-point comeback against 6-seed SMU, but USC uh, 66-65 win. Um, that Obviously a nail-biter, but um, I did not plan on USC winning that game. I didn't think they were that impressive, um, and they they're one of – all the Pac-12 teams that won in the first round. Everybody from the Pac-12 is moving on. Which, wasn't it, what, uh, I think it was last year, where all of the Pac-12 teams, I think, were out by, like, round, except for Oregon, because Oregon went all the way to the Elite Eight. Yeah, they were all out by the second round last yeah, year. Yeah, because uh, the Utes were out, so was SC. Cal was out in the, the first round. Utah. And then the Utes were out in the second, so... Um, yeah, I mean it's crazy. I've I, I'm doing okay. I mean, I haven't all, all of my uh, Final Four teams are still there, but it's been a lot of chalk this year, except for uh, eleven seeds. There's three of the four eleven seeds advanced into the second round, which I guess you guys really consider that an upset. I mean, whenever whenever they they say you've got to pick an upset, it's either the five twelve matchup or the six eleven matchup. Sure. 
Yeah, we did have a 5-12 this year as well with Mid-Tennessee State advancing. But they were actually the betting favorite before that game started. So not much of an upset in terms of real-life things. It's just the number that was next to their name made that an upset. Uh, something that, uh, and, and by the way, we, we will keep tabs for you on the, the Notre Dame-West Virginia game. That will be tipping off here very shortly uh, going on in Buffalo, New York. Um, something that is really sad in this state is that every team except for the Aggies got a postseason bid, whether it was the CIT, the CBI, or the NIT. And oh, Actually, sorry, and then other than uh, S- Southern Utah, they, they didn't get a bid either. But there's only two teams left uh, who, who uh, survived out of the first round, and that was Weber State and and the Wolverines of Utah Valley. That, meant, that means Utah and BYU both lost in the NIT on their home floor. BYU allowed 105 points, but Utah allowed a comeback when they were up 11, I think, with five minutes ago, John. You, you were there. It, honestly, if you highlight the Oregon State game, Copy it. You can paste it to the Boise State game. <laughs> it's true. It was there. Utah was the more talented team, and they were ahead most of that game, and then they found a way to lose it, and then just could not get momentum. They could not scrape it back, and found a way to lose against Boise State by I'm not sure what the final margin was. It was around eight or nine, but it was just one of those frustrating wins like come on and BYU had the same thing against UT Arlington first of all you should never allow 100 points in any college basketball game period let alone on uh, at home against a team that no one really knows anything about yeah the the two teams that have scored 100 on the Cougars in Mary Center UVU and UT Arlington wow um <laughs> i i don't know what that says about BYU well, i do know what that says but uh, about BYU but they have to figure it out. Both Utah and BYU aren't good enough programs to roll their eyes at the NIT and put out performances like that and be okay with it. And they're not okay with it, but they have no momentum going the offseason. They have really nothing positive going for them. BYU's dream team from Lone Peak is there, and they just put out that performance for the for the season. They had a great win against Gonzaga that showed you the potential they have as a team, and then the rest of the season, you're like, come on. And Utah. It's pretty much the same thing, except you didn't have that signature win. Right. And you, Utah, you give them a little bit more leeway because they had so many new guys coming in. But you would think by the middle of conference season, they should be able to figure it out. They should be able to find out how to bring the effort against good teams, great teams, and bad teams. And they could not be consistent with it. And that was what was so frustrating for Utah fans. They saw what Utah could do against USC or even against UCLA, but they couldn't bring it the rest of the season. There wasn't a consistent effort. And we've been harp on the leadership thing, but that was a concern. In the post-game press conference after uh, the Boise State game, Larry Koskowiak said, as he has said all season, that there is no vocal leader on the team and the team desperately needed one. And then right after that, five minutes later, Kyle Kuzma came in and said, I don't want to hear about the leadership thing. I wanted to be a leader. I tried to be a leader because that's what the team needed. And it, you know, it is what it is. Okay, trying to be a leader is one thing, but for you to actually take initiative and just do it and say, hey, you guys listen up. I'm the leader, I'm, I'm the leader on this team, and you know what? Bonham could have done the same thing because Bonham was here last year. He's also the point guard of this team. Kind of. 
technically supposed to be right him and him and us said but i just don't understand where and i actually heard kyle say that and i'm like kyle you end up trying to be a leader why didn't you is there a reason why did guys say no you're not the leader of this team it could be honestly and you know what kyle be like you know what i've been here longer than you because he has i mean clearly the coaches at least larry kraskoviak wasn't in sync with Kyle Kuzma. You can at least know that much. So, now, with with that said, seasons are done for both Utah and BYU. We know that now. Dan, John, and I'll, I'll even answer this as well. What needs to change with each program? What does Utah need to change to get back to the NCAA tournament? What does BYU need to change to get back into the NCAA tournament? Because both of these teams are NCAA tournament caliber teams. They just didn't show it. I think we're talking about we're we've been basically talking about the thing that needs to change, which is leadership. BYU and Utah, I think, have the opposite problem. BYU has too many guys that think they're the leader, and Utah doesn't have anyone who's capable of assuming that role. When Kyle Kuzma said that in the post game, I thought that was a big headline grab type of quote from him, because leadership. He it's something he was aware of. It's not like he was oblivious to the fact that the team had no Brandon Taylor this year. And he's just not that guy. He just doesn't have that personality. And that's like that's okay. Some guys just aren't leaders. But it's the complete opposite problem at BYU. Every guy on that team thinks that they're the leader, especially Nick Emery. And he doesn't have the disposition to lead that team because He's too, uh, I mean, I can't even think of a word that's not a swear word to describe him. <laughs> like, he's just not, I don't know, he's just, yeah, so it's just a difficult situation. There, there needs to be the guy, and neither, neither team has that. Two other things that I, in my opinion, that need to change. Utah needs to have a point guard, and they don't really, they, their philosophies have three guards and two bigs. And I, I'm i not a basketball coach. Larry Kraskoviak is light years ahead of me. And he's very good at what he does. Yes, he's a tremendous coach. But they need a point guard. They need somebody who can bring the ball up the court every single time and dish it out knowing what to do. You compare it to DeLon Wright. DeLon Wright was one of the best point guards to ever come through the program. I'm not going to compare what they have now to DeLon Wright because that's not fair. But they needed somebody who is a legitimate point guard on the team. And they can still do what they do. Um, and as far as BYU, I've said it over and over and over again. They need to figure out how to play defense. They can be a championship WCC team if they can figure out the defensive thing. They have offense down. Great. but And, and you can see the defense that's there and available against Gonzaga. They beat them in Spokane straight up largely because of their defense. But that was one of like three games all year they even tried. And they, they have to figure that out if they want to. Like I said, they're not they're not good enough to just roll their eyes at their own conference. Something I want to add to, to BYU as far as defense. Part of being a good defensive team, about 80% about being a good individual defender is giving a crap. It's all about energy. And it's it's all about effort as far as playing defense to being a really good defender. 
if you want to get a stop and you really put work into it, you're going to be a good defender. But if you're like, okay, they end up scoring, we'll just go back and score too. You're not going to you're not going to defend and BYU has that mindset right now. We're going to score more than you rather than we're going to try and stop you. And that's not going to work. It may work against Gonzaga because they they're they're more of a, a of a balanced team to where they they're able to score and play defense. But it's not going to work when you get into the NCAA tournament or when you play some of these bigger teams in non-conference. And it'll, it also isn't going to work against some of these teams lower in, in your conference who don't have an emphasis on defense. Because guess what? You, you end up uh, putting so much energy into offense, rely on, on shooting so much, and you have a bad shooting night as a team, you're going to lose. Because guess what? You're not going to hit shots. You're not going to stop the other team from hitting shots. Therefore, they're going to score more than you. It's pretty easy math right there. So Dave Rose, I think he needs to take a really long, hard look at the at the mindset of his team. And are we just going to keep on scoring more than you? Because guess what? You're going to have seasons like this a lot more often if you don't put an emphasis on defense. Something I love about Larry, the minute he he uh, he came into Utah, and and all of us can say this from having listened to all of his you know post game press conferences, his weekly press conferences. What does he talk about most? Defense. Respecting the game. Being able to get stops. Putting an effort together to get stops as a team. And that wasn't the case this year for Utah. Because, for one, guys were not communicating. And, and, and Larry said it. We have a quiet team. You, you can't play defense if you don't talk. Because guess what? Some dude could be back-cutting you and you don't even know it. And no one calls it out. And then there you go, a layup. And you know how many times that that's happened to Utah this year? So for Utah, they just need to have more chemistry. They need to come together more as a team. They have talent. They have a lot of it, and they have a lot more coming in. So hopefully, unless someone can step up next year who's already on on the uh, team now, step up and be that leader to be that, that vocal leader out on the floor on defense, or bring in one of these these guys who are coming in as a as a freshman who already has that that habit of talking on defense. Yeah, so you're right. I think Utah has the talent, and I think next year Utah should expect to get back to the tournament, to be completely honest. Um, but going back to defense and as it relates to BYU, I think there's another interesting thing that we overlook. If you think about BYU and you think, they oh, they have a good offense because they score a lot of points, BYU's offense actually is not that efficient. And do you know where BYU ranked this year in three-point field goal percentage? Probably bottom half of the country. 207. Ah, yikes. Yeah, they shot 34% from three. Okay, so that's the bread and butter, right, of a Dave Rose offense is hitting those threes. BYU didn't do that well this year. So they, they don't shoot well, which is also a problem. And part of it is because they're taking shots out of rhythm and they're not getting into their or offense. range, out of yeah, range. Coming across half court and jacking it up. So you're you're shooting 34% from three, and you're not playing any defense. That is not a recipe for success. That's disastrous. That's a recipe for disaster. And this was the worst season since Dave Rose became the coach. That's not an opinion. That's just a fact. And so you do. You have to look, you have to look at what's going on, and there has to be a, a reevaluation. They only shot 45% from the field. Like, that's horrible. That's not good. So offense isn't good, defense isn't good, 
it's it's not a great situation after this season, even though some people want to try and paint it that way. Well, they got 20 wins. Well, 19 of those wins were built in, and you got one that you shouldn't have. And, you know, to, to add, add to that, when when you're uh, shooting threes and you're just coming down and jacking it up or, you know, passing it once and shooting it, you're not even moving the ball around enough to get the, you know, defense tired to maybe to where they won't they won't be as efficient scoring on offense on the other end. If you're coming down and just jacking it up to where the, the you know, to the point where the, the defense isn't even set, you're 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 really giving them more energy because all they have to do is rebound it and go the other way again, rather than having to set up and try and guard you. And that, and that's something BYU does. They you know pass it a couple of times. You'll see Emory you know try and drive and kick and things like that. It just doesn't work. You've got to find more of an offensive philosophy as well. But defense has got to be key. I mean, because Dave Rose has got to look at this. We're not shooting the ball well, so we need to try and get stops so we are still having chances to win games. So we don't lose to a, a Santa Clara, a San Diego, a Pepperdine. So, sorry, John, I know that that's your pet peeve. <laughs> it's all right. It, it's kind of a habit. Um, so, so you don't lose to San Diego, Pepperdine, or Santa Clara. How's that, John? Much better. All right, there we go. Grammatically. So, for, th- for that to happen, you've got you've to just say, okay, we're going to worry about stopping you guys first. Dave Rose needs to know that he has scores on his team and that he doesn't need to put as much emphasis on offense. Scoring alert for Notre Dame and West Virginia. 10-2 so far in favor of the Mountaineers. Over and out. It was 10... That was 10-4. Oh, yeah, it was 10-4. Uh, Someone score for Notre Dame, please. <laughs> no, don't. It was it was 10 nothing for a while. Notre Dame had nothing going. They had a, a score recently, but so far it's all West Virginia. We've already had a couple of timeouts. 10-3 now. Uh, we'll keep you posted on how that one goes throughout the day. It's football season. It's always football season. Spring break is over, too. Yeah, so Utah is back on the field next week. BYU, I think, is back from St. George. They had a trip down there. Uh, actually, a pretty cool little fan fest. Uh, we'll talk about that coming up next. But spring football, um, it's always football season, folks. We'll talk about that next. Sports Saturday. Trevor, John, and Dan on ESPN 700. Back to Sports Saturday on ESPN 700. We were trying on some of the helmets in studio during the break, courtesy of Utes Equipment. Thank you, Utes Equipment. We have a couple from Shut as well. I've, uh, I've already got helmet hair. I was wearing a Hunter Dimmick-sized helmet. Man, that thing looks good. What one's the black one? Who's, who's is that um, size? As a th- it can't be Tom Hackett's. No, it is number 33. Maybe it's uh, Mitch Wisnowski's size. I don't really know. I say Tom's got a pretty big head. That's definitely not a punter's face mask. Is it just like the single bar? <laughs> Tom wears the leather helmets. <laughs> the, same, the leather helmets. Spring cool. football is coming back. Um, we'll start off with Utah. I think the the biggest question marks right now, what's going to happen in the secondary? Thank the heavens, if you're a Utah fan, that you have Corian Ballard there. Talented player. He's probably going to just slide right into Marcus Williams' spot. Not going to replace Marcus Williams' production. That would not be fair to expect, but 
you'll have a competent player there uh, that you can count on to at least hold the spot down. Um, the other corners, that's a battle you're going to be looking to. You have talent there. None of it is proven. Um, Tyrone Smith, by all reports, had a, a strong first day. That That's all we've seen so far. Uh, the, t- the Utah was on spring break all this week, so they had one practice last Thursday, and we'll see them again this coming Tuesday. Uh, but Tyrone Smith switching full-time from wide receiver to corner. I was wondering how that position change was going to go. Um, we got a taste of it at the Cowell game, and it didn't go go very well for him. But he hadn't got a lot of reps at corner. But uh, So that's something to keep an eye on. The next big corner, the traditional Utah big corner, Sean Smith, Eric Rowe, um, Brian Allen, Keith McGill. So now, now you have another guy in there. The other position group, the offensive line. You have a couple of guys returning, strong contributors, strong contributors, um, and then everybody else has to fill that spot. They've had a terrific offensive line. You have to fill four guys that went to the NFL Combine, plus Nick Nowakowski, who made a lot more out of his career than I frankly thought he would. He had a nice season last year at center. He was a fourth center on the team, and he did a good job. Um, you're looking at that receiver battle. The receivers look pretty strong coming back. Um, there's also the quarterback position. I'm actually curious, you know, as far as the wideouts, I'm actually curious to see the the uh, how the, the 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 development of Demari Simpkins. Yeah, he's a talented player that, as a true freshman last year, did a nice job. Did a very nice job. Um, I expect him to be one of the the key playmakers this season. Yeah, that was what. Um... Guy Holiday, when 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 he joined uh, Bill's show a couple weeks ago, said that that was going to be one of the guys. It was going to be Raylon Singleton, uh, Damari Simpkins, and the other one's slipping my mind right now. Uh, Raylon Singleton, another terrific player that finally you got to see what he could do last year when he was healthy. He's been hurt his entire brief college career, but last season you saw what he's able to do, and he was a terrific player. <clears throat> But the guy's throwing him the ball. Uh, I'm I'm interested to see what Utah fans say. Uh, go ahead and give us a call. Phone lines are open all day long. Uh, 877-353-0700. What do you think of the quarterback position? Right now there's Troy Williams, who had a pretty good start to the season. He won you that USC game, which that was the last team that beat USC was Utah. If you remember how they went, Utah was the last team to beat them. That was right here in Salt Lake in a very large part due to Troy Williams and kind of regressed as the season went along. Where you put the blame is is up to you. Could be coaches, could be Troy, could be a mix of both, could be receivers, could be any number of things. And you have Tyler Huntley, who's kind of the unknown. You've seen flashes of him here or there. Backup quarterback is always the most popular guy on the team. But Tyler Huntley has a lot of talent. You also have... Cooper Bateman. That I was just going to say that now Now that has kind of made the quarterback race a little bit more interesting. And with transfers, it's always interesting because you never know how it's going to turn out. With guys that are that high caliber, especially previously as a recruit, he's coming from Alabama. And maybe he's just coming home to finish off his college career because he's from here. Or maybe he knows that he has a legitimate shot. Maybe that's what the coaches have promised him. I don't know the answer to that. 
But that's something we're going to have to follow through spring football and into fall camp. How secure is Troy Williams' job, if it is, in fact, his job, which right now maybe it's not guaranteed? How much of a shot does Tyler Huntley have coming out of the offseason? How much of a shot does Cooper Bateman have? That's going to be interesting to follow. By the way, the other wideout that I, I completely spaced, C.O.C. Wilson. Sure. And he, 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 could be, he could be one of the big-time playmakers for Utah. Him, him and Raylon, and then it sounds like they're going to put Damari in the, the slot, which he, he's a, a pretty big size slot wideout, which is good. And that, and that would be until you get Britton Covey back. Utah last year had some major question marks at receiver. We were nervous for them all season long. Are they ever going to figure this out? This season, it's not much of a question mark. You have Simpkins, like you mentioned. Troy McCormick is in the slot. He's a great weapon. You have those two tall guys, Singleton and Wilson, like you just mentioned, on the outside. Utah has some nice weapons at wide receiver. They might actually have an offense this year. It's going to be exciting. <laughs> I think the thing that I'm most intrigued about is the quarterback situation because they always seem to fill the holes in the in the trenches, and uh, they always seem to have at least a decent enough running back. But... As we mentioned, the receivers are pretty good. What's going to happen at quarterback? I think we might have a legitimate quarterback battle coming into uh, fall camp, and it's going to be exciting. But I, I think for me right now, it's Troy Williams' job to lose. I was just going to say that same thing. I think it's his job to lose, but I don't think that he's a shoe in to get the start, personally. But really, for me, I would actually say that Cooper Bateman is more of a lock to move positions. Wouldn't you say that, John? Because Tyler Huntley seems like he's always creeping up on, on, on Troy Williams as far as still in that, that starting quarterback spot. I mean, but 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 Troy Troy Williams has, did it all last year. And yeah, it, it was different. But I, I mean, because you got to look at it, it's going to be a different offense. It's going to be attack, attack, attack. And that wasn't the case last year. What I want to see is how a known quarterback developer in Troy Taylor, now the offensive coordinator. You have a, There are a lot of repeating themes through the years. New offensive coordinator, quarterback battle come fall camp. The best case scenario for Utah fans, in my mind, is that Troy Williams stays as the starter, and for one year you finally have continuity. You don't have the week two of fall camp. Who's getting a leg up as the starter? If... My hope for Utah is that they finally have a guy from day one in fall camp they can go through and plan on being their starter from day one all the way through. I don't know if that's going to happen. It but won't. That would be best case scenario. My hope is that Troy Taylor and Troy Williams can get together and figure out how for him to play the quarterback the best he can in spring ball and go through. But we'll see. There are a lot of question marks, but I think at this point you just want a little bit of continuity, the most you can get. Something I want to do, I want to look back at when was the last time there was not a quote-unquote quarterback battle in spring ball or even in fall ball. Because when, when Travis Wilson was here, you had Kendall Thompson as well. When it was Jordan Wynn, it was Terrence Kane as well. There was always that you never went into fall ball saying so-and-so is our guy. Travis Wilson's sophomore year maybe? I think so, before Kendall Thompson came in? Yeah. Yeah, I could see that because his backup was um, John Hayes. Because remember, Travis had that had that head injury that that uh, could have ended his career, but didn't. Oh yeah, there was that too. 
But but that but that happened during the season. Travis was already the guy. It wasn't John Hayes. So maybe that was the last time. But it, it it's not very often where Kyle Whittingham goes into into fall ball. I mean, in spring you always want to take a look at it. But going into fall camp, Kyle Whittingham saying so and so is our guy. He but, is going to be our quarterback unless something miraculous happens. I don't think Kyle Whitting. I don't think it's in Kyle Whittingham's personality to tip his hand like that. I don't think that he would reveal who the starter is going to be even if he knew because he wants his guys to work hard throughout camp. I think the element of competition is something that Kyle Whittingham uses to motivate players. And for Troy Williams, who had a good but not great season last year, I think Kyle Whittingham kind of does want to put the fire to him. And having a guy who played at Alabama on your team that's a pretty good motivation to get you through camp. And so I think we're going to have a quarterback battle personally. And I think also people love to talk about quarterback battles because it's exciting and it gets people's blood boiling and people take sides and it's easy to talk about as well. So we're going to have that. I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. Uh, the question, I, And I do think Troy Williams will probably come out ahead, but I don't think it's going to be as cut and dry as we might want it to be. Uh, and then an, another spot to look at running backs with with uh, Joe, Joe Williams leaving, and we all we were all very critical of him before he came out of retirement, and then he just blew the doors off. Now you don't have Joe Williams this year. Is this Zach Moss's job to lose, or do you have Armand Shine? I mean, obviously it's not going to be one guy getting all the reps, but who's going to get the majority of the reps? I think you probably have to go Zach Moss, but Armand Shine, uh, he's not going to be healthy through spring. But come fall camp. He's still talented. Oh, sure. Um, Utah has plenty of guys there. Not even on the depth chart, by the way, Devontae Henry Cole. Uh, Jordan Howard is there. You saw him contribute before he got hurt. Uh, before everyone got hurt. The whole position group got hurt last year. That, <laughs> honestly, that was a big reason why Joe came back. And you know what? It was probably a great thing for Joe. Sure. He's now looking to go to the NFL, whereas before he was out of football. Well, he, he was even playing like, had, had he kept playing the way that he was playing before he, quote-unquote, called it a career, that was where, you know, he wasn't even going to be looked at to go to the CFL. Yeah, and that retirement, that four weeks that he was off was crucial for him personally and on the field. He basically hit the reset button on his life, just got a new perspective dealt with some demons that he'd had and is able to turn whatever negative energy he had into positive energy and figure it out for the rest of the football season and hopefully for the rest of his life. He's He figured out a lot of things that he needed to get taken care of, and you're seeing a different Joe Williams than you did in July and August and September. All right, we're going to go ahead and take a break, but but we, we want to open up the phone lines. Uh, questions you have about Utah or BYU going in, in, in into spring football now that we're Going to be starting up practices again. Obviously, we will have the Utes covered for you right here on ESPN 700 uh, throughout throughout the day. Um, questions you have about Utah football going in into spring practice? Eight seven seven three five three zero seven hundred, or you can tweet at us. I'm at ESPN seven hundred. Trevor, John is at Big French ESPN. Is that right? That's correct. And then Dan is at Dan Cut twelve. We're still going to change that on Twitter. All right, taking a timeout. More uh, more spring football talk. And taking your your calls and tweets on the other side. You're listening to Sports Saturday with Trevor, Dan, and John here on ESPN 700. 
Last segment of Hour 1 here on Sports Saturday. Here on ESPN 700, Trevor Allen, John LaFollette, Dan Cutler here with you, taking you up till noon here on ESPN 700. We'll have RSL soccer tonight, beginning with pregame coverage at 6.30 as they take on the LA Galaxy right here on ESPN 700. Going on right now, keeping tabs on the NCAA tournament. One game going on right now with 3.48 to go in the first half. Number four, West Virginia leading number five, Notre Dame, 32-29. to Coming up at 12.40 will be number one, Villanova, and number eight, Wisconsin. All right, uh, carrying on our conversation about spring football, let's go ahead and switch gears a little bit to BYU. Um, losing a couple of guys to graduation and, you know, uh, guys who are there – were, there was two guys who were invited to the Combine, Harvey Longy and Jamal Williams. Obviously, the running back spot, Jamal Williams had a fantastic career and a really good season last year. Um, hence the reason why he was in the combine uh, and could potentially go into the NFL. What are, what are some of the question marks of BYU head, head, heading into spring ball and into Kwani Sataki's second year at the helm at BYU? Well, I think first you have to look at who they have to replace, those key contributors. Jamal Williams, been a great back. What are they going to do at running back? Um, also receiver, I think their defensive line is going to be okay. Uh, they, they probably need some more edge rushers. Now, the past couple of years, losing Bronson Kafusi, losing now Harvey Longy. You have to find who's going to go get the quarterback. They they have the hogs in the defensive line. Um, receiving group. I don't know what they're going to do there. They have Moroni, Lau, Laputatau, Trinaman, Bo Tanner coming back. Trinaman should have a really good year. Same with uh, Lau Laputatau. I feel like you need one more guy, though. Yeah, you usually need about three guys. I mean, four. You would love to have four, you know, to be able to rotate them in and out or even on, on the four wide sets. And especially with a quarterback like Tanner Mangum, he's finally the guy. He doesn't have to do that stupid um, Taysom Hill versus Tanner Mangum. Who's going to be more mature? Who's going to, you know, whatever. It's Tanner Mangum's show now. I think BYU fans. Probably should have been last year. Yeah, BYU fans are thinking, finally. He's your guy. So hope he doesn't get hurt because there's nothing behind him. Bo Hodge is behind him. But <laughs> and Coy Detmer Jr. Still Th- there's nothing behind him. Yeah, exactly. You have a Hodge and a Detmer man. But is no, it, is it there all. is it there there are dads? Yes. yes. Um you, you need some weapons though. You need a tight end. You need a polished tight end to figure that out. You need three to four receivers. And if they do that. They could have a really good year. Their schedule is brutal. But again. Yes, again. It's again front loaded. But if they can figure it out right now with their offensive weapons, their defense is good enough, at least in the front seven, they can get some things figured out. Secondary is going to be another matter. Kai Nakua. You got to replace him. But that that's going to be a big thing too. We need to figure out who's going to play safety down at BYU. But if you can get the offense set to go by fall camp, and you'll have that one get-ready game before everybody else does against Portland State. If you can get through that game and know what you're going to do offensively, it's going to be a nice year. Plus, the coaching staff is all into year two. Instead of trying to figure out how to be a college coach, they're all good football minds, but there are different things to being a college football coach than knowing the game. Now they have it figured out. And we've heard Ty Detmer and Kalani Sataki talk about it before. They come into this year, it's all slowed down for them. It makes more sense. They have a lot better idea 
what they're doing. So we'll see how that turns out. Well, and you know, j- just looking at uh, BYU's schedule, they're they're going to need to figure things out fast. So obviously, they'll they'll have a tune up game against Portland State to uh, start out the season, but then they're going to be in uh, go- going down to Houston, Texas, playing in an NFL stadium against LSU, and then and then you've got the Utes at home, which isn't going to be a cupcake battle either. And then and then you've got a and then you're at home against against the Badgers, Wisconsin Badgers, which by the way that was a good get, to get you know sure. to play them and have them come to play at, at your place. It's a pretty uh, pretty premier program uh, coming into your place. And then you got to go up to, to to Utah State and play them. And then you're at home against Boise State. And then you got to go to Starkville and take on Mississippi State, which is probably going to be a better team than last year. They they really had a down year, but. You know, no one Dan, Dan Mullen and Brian Johnson and company. They're they're going to bring back some good talent. Yeah, I think the it's going to be an interesting season for BYU. Getting another year under their belts, we'll see what happens. I think now finally Ty Detmer has the pieces in place, especially at quarterback, to to make his system work. I I think the offensive line last year was honestly brutal. I mean, Tijon Karoma was good, but that that left side was not. Great. It was awful. It was not good at all. And I mean, I can't. And I mean, no offense, it's their amateur athletes, but oh my goodness, like so many plays got ruined because guys were just get getting back there, and Taysom had lost a step, so he wasn't able to scramble and et cetera, et cetera. On the line, though, Jake Schoff's pretty good. T. John's good. Tooney Knuch is good. They've got some good linemen. It'll be interesting to see how well they can protect Tanner Mangum this year. But, yeah, they're going to be tested early on. And it's not like Portland State is a bad D2 team. So that'll be a good a good test or a FCS team, I guess. That'll be I, – I, One double A. Old habits die hard. And uh, that'll, that'll be a good test for them. And then Utah, that should be uh, another good – tune-up game for him no, i'm just teasing but no it'll be great it'll be that'll be a good battle and it'll be fun to watch yeah ask washington state what they think of portland state yeah exactly or oregon um, state you know as far as that uh o-line you're, you're gonna need to have, have some good blockers because you're gonna be passing more or you're gonna have to be running because with uh and, and i know everyone's like well obviously you either run or pass but i'm saying tanner's not a mobile quarterback I think he's a little more athletic than people give him credit for. But he doesn't use it. No. He, well, frankly, he and Taysom Hill in the 2016 version of Taysom Hill were about the same speed. Yeah. But they have different styles of play. Taysom still tried to be his old self, even though he's bigger and slower and more hurt. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't work out for him. We all saw that. But uh, Tanner Mangum, more of a pocket guy. I think that makes it easier for the offensive line. They don't have to keep drifting across the field and guessing where the quarterback is going to go when he's improvising. But you'll be able to have a nice strong push in the running game, make a nice pocket in the passing game. I think it's going to bode well for BYU. What do you guys think of uh, Squally Canada as the the running back uh, for BYU? I've been hearing things about Squally Canada for like four years. So he, he's got potential. It's just a question of is he going to live up to it. He's... He seems to be a good back. He had a little bit of fumbling problems, but I mean, and that's just Jamal Williams was so incredible at holding onto the ball. What did he only lose like one fumble his entire career? I think it made it was two. Yeah, by the might have bowl been, game. Yeah, in the bowl game, he may have lost one, but that's just incredible. So Squally, he has big shoes to fill, but 
he's a good back. He was he was initially at Washington State. He had some talent, and things just didn't work out for him there. But no, I, I'm I'm intrigued to see because we've been hearing about him for a long time. So it could be good. Yeah, whatever you do at running back is going to be a step backward from Jamal Williams. Yeah. That's and how good he was. Also in the backfield, um, Braden Albacary, he's good. He had some great plays. He had some good carries last year. And so I'm I'm kind of intrigued to see how he does. So I actually don't think that the backfield is going to be that bad for BYU if guys if they can get some blocks. So it should be interesting. We'll give you a scoreboard update. Notre Dame seems to have a few things figured out nearing the end of the first half between four and five seed. We'll uh, give a little NCAA tournament talk. And the Utah Jazz are in Chicago today. Chicago? Chicago. I was going to say that was... Doubles. They're there today. We'll talk about that one and where your expectations are now. They're nearing the end of the season. Are they healthy enough to make the run you want them to make? We'll talk about the next Sports Saturday, ESPN 700. This is OCN. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.